The Titans bounced back big time, beating the Bengals 27-3 at home. We are going to break down how they did it, the good, some of the little tiny bits of bad that came out of this game. But overall, a huge win for the Titans. This is the Music City Audible. Let's get to it. We're going to stick to the formula, okay? Speed and violence, effort and f***ing finish, and execute, elevate, and celebrate, okay, Sorry. fellas? Like, that's what it is. And it's going to be, it's not going to be great. I mean, we dropped the ball, Tajay, picked the some bit. Run, quarterback, help them. Like, that's what it's going to be. Okay, but it's going to be this lightweight. Like, we got to prepare, and we come out here and execute, and we celebrate, and we have a good time. Okay, Derrick Henry, second all time. Yeah! Derrick Henry has moved up to second all time on the Tennessee Titans leading rushers list. He is now just 1,389 yards behind Eddie George. Will he pass him this season, Justin? No, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> 1,300 and some yards in this final 13 games would be a hell of a feat. So I'm going to say no, but that's not the point of it, right? I think the point here is to celebrate this achievement. What an incredible accomplishment. I mean, surpassing Earl Campbell speaks for itself, right? Not a whole lot has to be said about that. He certainly deserves it. I will say, and I don't want to look ahead, but it'd be a shame, you know, this is the final year of his contract if he doesn't get an opportunity to, to, to pass Eddie George next season. But uh, certainly one hell of an achievement, and it, it just perfectly encapsulates the career of Derrick Henry. He's a legend. He's a Titans legend. I, I hope he's a future Hall of Famer. I think he's about on the fringe right now, but certainly uh, he's deserving of this accomplishment. Yeah, no doubt. In this game on Sunday, Henry became the seventh player in the history of the Super Bowl era to put up 8,000-plus rushing yards and 80-plus rushing touchdowns in his first eight seasons, joining a list that includes a bunch of Hall of Famers, Barry Sanders, Eric Dickerson, Emmett Smith, Sean Alexander, LaDainian Tomlinson, and Adrian Peterson. Yes, the Titans absolutely dominated the Bengals on Sunday. We're going to break it all down here. Uh, Justin Graver with Justin Mello, as usual, presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnership with 440 Sports. And I want to remind everyone real quick to subscribe to the Music City Audible on YouTube. And we're going to do, I'm going to do a couple film breakdowns this week, like I've been doing for the past few games. I want you guys to let me know, what do you want me to break down? Do you want me to break down Henry's touchdown run, looking like vintage King Henry out there busting through tackles? Do you want me to break down the the passing touchdown from Derrick Henry? Do you want me to look at the defensive adjustments that the Titans made after the Bengals' first drive? Let me know in the comments, and, and I'll try to get to one of those this week. Well, let's talk about this game, Justin, because the Titans were absolutely dominant. I mean, the first drive of the game was really the only time it felt like Cincinnati was able to do anything. They go 11 plays, 72 yards on that drive, but the Titans hold them to a field goal. Their next few drives, I'm just going to read this to you. Seven plays, 16 yards, punt. Four plays, 19 yards, punt. Three plays, minus one yard, punt. Five plays, 22 yards, punt. And then they had one end-of-half kneel down. Titans defense absolutely stepped it up. We we got to say, you know, this isn't a typical Bengals offense. Joe Burrow clearly limited in his mobility and his and you know his ability to get out of the pocket and extend plays and get away from pressure. But that, I don't think that takes away from the fact that a the Titans put up 27 points on offense and b only allowed this Bengals team to score three points. Because you can say all that about Joe Burrow, but you look at their first drive, they march right down the field, put up a, a, a three point field goal there. And it was nothing for the rest of the game. So if you want to say Joe Burrow is limited, this doesn't count or whatever, just look at that first drive because they were able to move the ball then. But then the defense really tightened up, tightened up and uh, kept the Bengals out of out of from. I mean, they scored 27 unanswered points. The Titans did in this game. 
And and let's not pretend. Look, I, I don't want to take any credit away, you know, from the injury, but let's not pretend like he's an agent of chaos, like a you know a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen. Like he is not one of the league's most mobile franchise quarterbacks. He's not Justin Herbert. He's not Jalen Hurts. Like he's none of those guys when it comes to mobile ability. That's not his bread and butter. He is surgical, right? It's the pre-snap processing, the post-snap processing. There are other issues with this Bengals offense besides. Uh, the fact that he's hobbled in all honesty, right? Something just feels off to me. And I'm not going to pretend like I have all the answers, but I, you know, I do think they're missing Hayden Hurst, the guy that was a, a big chain moving weapon for them last year. They're getting nothing from their tight ends essentially this year. Pass protection has not been good. I saw something on Twitter regarding their pass block win rate is like 32% now, I think in league average is like 50 or 55. So there are other things off with this Bengal offense besides the Burrow injury. But enough about that, because this is not a Bengals podcast. Um, we had <laughs> Joe Goodberry on last week in order to, to give you all those nuggets. This is so typical of the Titans, isn't it? Right. And I hate to say it, but like you just got to you kind of have to laugh about it at this point. Like and, and of course, in, in perfectly ironic fashion. It's exactly a reversal of the score from last week, right? When they yeah. when they let you down completely, losing 27-3 to the Browns. Of course, they come out and beat the Bengals 27-3. Just when everyone, you know, you and I predicted a loss on the preview <laughs> show. By the way, have you gotten one right this year? I'm no. trying to think out. Three. You haven't, right? Like, you had them beating the Saints. Over four. You had them losing to the Chargers. You had them, I, I think you, you had them beating the Browns, I think. I did. Yep, and yeah, you, you are zero and four. That's pretty funny. I mean, I think. What I are you one for three? In, <laughs> yeah, I'm one and hey, I'm on the board. I'm on the board. Unlike you, Fair that's enough. pretty funny though. I'm one and three. You're zero and four. It perfectly captures the unpredictability of the Tennessee Titans. You never know who's going to show up on a weekly basis. It's and look, I, I hate to make too big of a deal about this because I I think there are outside of the top three, four, five teams in the league. I think there are a lot of teams that probably feel the way we do, or a lot of fans that probably feel the way we do more so than the average Titans fan thinks. And yeah. I'm going to finish my point here, but it's like, how is that even the same team, right? That put up 94 <laughs> yards of offense against the Browns had 80 yards and penalties in that game last week against Cleveland to come out this week, just surgical. I mean, at, at one point, like that, that scoring drive, the Nick Westbrook Akine scoring drive, 38-yard pass to DeAndre Hopkins, 25-yard pass, I think it was, to Josh Wiley, 13-yard catch and run score. Like, where was that? Who is that, right? Like, who is that offense? And, again, I, I say that there are other teams. Like, I think of the Dallas Cowboys, who I think are one of the best teams in the NFL. How did they lose 31-28 to the Arizona Cardinals a few weeks ago, right, to now come back. I don't think the Patriots are good, but to come back, Patriots are probably better than the Cardinals, or, or maybe it's closer, <laughs> actually. Cardinals look competitive, I guess, but to come out and blow them out 38-3, like my friend Joe Marino, and I've said this on this show before, and I laughed because Joe tweeted it on Sunday in typical Joe Marino fashion after they blow out the Dolphins 48-20. Every Bills fan's enjoying it, as they should. Joe Marino, he's a Debbie Downer. I always joke with him. He came out and said, uh, it doesn't matter that, that people are saying maybe they're the best team in football, second best team in football. Humility in the NFL is always one week away. You will be humbled very, very quickly in this yeah. league. And uh, the Titans know that all too well, right? A good performance, a bad performance, a good performance. A, or I guess if I want to be specific, a bad performance, a good performance, a bad performance, <laughs> a good performance. That's how it's been this year for them so far. I want to dive more into it with you, but it's 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 you can't help, I think, but laugh 
at um, sort of the chaos that this team invites on a weekly basis. Well, they say it all the time, right? It's a week-to-week league, and I think the Titans are a pretty perfect encapsulation of that. And the narrative coming out of this Titans game, I mean, on Saturday, watching Caleb Williams tear up Colorado's defense for 400 yards and six touchdowns, people on Titans Twitter were like, hey, Titans only won one game. Hey, maybe there's a chance. It's a Caleb Williams to the Titans. And then they come out the next day and do something like this, 27-3 win. Kind of reminds you of that Chiefs win from uh, the 2019 season where they absolutely beat beat them down or 2021 season Sorry, whichever season yeah the one where they like completely just took the chiefs offense apart and and put Same i think score, they, it was i a, think yeah I think it was it a similar final score three. yeah um yeah but absolute domination it's the biggest titans win since week 17 of 2021 when they beat the dolphins i think 30 to 3 um we haven't seen this titans team win by more than 10 points since then the the green bay game was a 10 point win on that thursday night football game but other than that, like they haven't had big wins like this in a long time, and it's nice to see them come out and do that. But just like the whole narrative surrounding Ryan Tannehill, we were talking about should the Titans make a quarterback change because this is a lost season. Let's just see what they have in the other two guys because this team's not going anywhere. And now I still don't feel like the Titans are necessarily a Super Bowl contending team, but I feel a whole lot better about them after this game. And I talked about it on the last show about how you don't want to be at your best in week one. You want to be improving throughout the course of the season. And we saw massive improvements from last week's game against the Browns to this week's game. And in particular, I mean, I know the Browns have one of the best defenses in the league or whatever, but they gave up 28 points to the Baltimore Ravens. I know Dorian Thompson Robinson threw three interceptions in the surprise, you know, start for him with Watson dealing with something that I guess the Titans gave him. Um, but... Still, like the Ravens were able to put up 28 points on what was like the best defense in the league, right? So I don't want to put it all into saying like this is all about the opponent the Titans faced and that's why they look so much better. No, they executed at a much higher level in this game. And I think the play calling was really, really spot, like just really excellent play calling. They got really creative in the run game, which we hadn't seen a lot of, especially against the Browns. It was like... I mean, I know we talked about how they went away from outside zone. They did mix in some outside zone. They mixed in some power stuff, but I didn't. I went through the tape and broke down the Titans' running game issues in a video last week. I didn't see a single handoff where the Titans had guys pulling across the line of scrimmage, no misdirection, nobody in motion at the snap to try to confuse the defense. In this game, it was totally different. They had they mixed in so many different run concepts. He had pulling blockers you had backside tight ends cracking across the formation you had tosses you had derrick henry throwing a touchdown pass with jeffrey simmons lined up as like an extra lineman tight to the line of scrimmage out there i'm telling you right now they are setting this up for later in the year jeffrey simmons is going to catch a touchdown pass they had him out there as an eligible receiver on that play where henry threw it to wiley at some point this year, watch for it. I think they're going to try to get Simmons a touchdown. <laughs> I think you're 100% correct. I, I feel very – it's weird how confident and comfortable I feel with that prediction <laughs> considering he's a 300-pound defensive tackle that's never been – I don't know if he had ever had an offensive snap before that one. I, I don't, I don't know. I yeah. remember using him uh, in the backfield in previous years. But it, it really was a complete performance, right? I, I think that's the best thing I can say. And look, when things are going right, of course, we're always going to praise the play calling. Not that I think you're wrong. I think you're right. Um, but I think Tim Kelly's been pretty good all year long as a play caller. Yeah. So it was really nice to see them execute for him um, on Sunday. It, it really was, a, like I said, it, there were moments where you just felt like, who is this offense, right? The, that one drive that concluded with the Nick Westbrook-Akine touchdown, I think was the most obvious one, but they executed all day long. I mean, that Derrick Henry touchdown run, I, I highlighted it on Twitter. Yeah. I also highlighted it in an article, like, 
first of all, it looked like vintage Derrick Henry, right? Like he looked as good as he's looked on any run uh, in a little bit, in all honesty. And the blocking, like you want getting a hat on a hat, Josh Wiley there lined up a terrific block that I thought, I think really sort of spearheaded that game. I think the Wiley Absolutely. block was the one that really, uh, you know, created that, that large game, uh, 29 yard touchdown run, but just all in all, I, I thought they were pretty outstanding on both sides of the ball all day long. Yeah, Josh Wiley was one-on-one with Trey Hendrickson on that play. You had uh, Dillard and Raidens double-teaming the tackle and Wiley responsible for kicking out the end one-on-one. Now, look, I, w- I just want to re-emphasize, they tried this kind of block, this kind of running scheme against the Browns, putting those <laughs> tight ends one-on-one with Zedarius Smith and Miles Garrett and got absolutely blown up in the backfield, negative plays when they tried that against the Browns. This week, that, that was Trevon Wesco and Chigakonkwo. This week, they say, let's try Josh Wiley. Let's see if he can run block a little better than these other guys. And to be fair, Wesco was blocking his ass off in this game, too. And I think the blocking all around was much, much better. Like we said, just better execution. But asking your rookie tight end, Josh Wiley, to block Trey Hendrickson, to kick him out of the hole on that play, and seeing him execute and keep Hendrickson out of the hole. And we talked about this with Joe Goodberry. He said, run right at Trey. They call him blackout Trey. And you saw a little bit of it on that play. I don't want to take away from Josh Wiley blocking, but Trey Hendrickson was rushing to get upfield as fast as he could. And Wiley, you know, used his momentum against him, pushed him upfield and cleared the hole for Henry, who then went on to shed like 15 tackles on the play on on route to the end zone. But yeah, I mean, that, that is an encapsulation of how much better this game was than the last game. We should note Josh Wiley suffered an ankle injury in this game. He was unable to finish, but... Paul Kaharski is reporting that Wiley will likely not miss any time, which is good because this was like a breakout game for him. He had that block on Hendrickson. Then you mentioned the drive earlier where they hit Hopkins for 40-something yards, Wiley for 25 yards, and uh, Nick Westbrook for the 13-yard touchdown. Those were three consecutive plays, all off play action, and Josh Wiley had the huge 25-yard catch there. And then, of course, uh, on the next drive, right before halftime, catching the touchdown pass from Derrick Henry. So a little bit of a breakout game for the Titans rookie in this one. Yeah, I thought he was outstanding, and I'm happy for him because he didn't have the greatest, you know, preseason training camp. There were some rough performances, a couple interceptions, uh, one that went through his hand that we debated. There was the fumble, I think, in one of the preseason games. I think he missed some time in camp with an injury, so it was really obviously he was sabotaging Malik Willis. That's the only explanation, (laughs) right? That's right. That's what it was. (laughs) Nice to see him look come down with a ball that he could actually get his mitts on, right? Because he was accurately thrown uh, on (laughs) the preseason interception, but. Uh, breakout game for him. Glad that Paul Kuharf is reporting. He's not going to miss any time. I'm very happy for him. He deserves it after the rough summer that he had. And I want to go back for a second. It's so funny um, that you talked about, brought up the Browns game, how they ran similar plays. Because although I was not going to make that point, you did. I was going to say when you brought up the fact that they used them to block Trey Hendrickson on that, that run, it's the classic armchair quarterback, right? Where if that play doesn't work out, and I get it, we're all yelling at our television screens, why the hell would you use a rookie tight end to block Trey Hendrickson on a play? No wonder it got blown up, right? Like, And, and that's what would it have been, right? That's what we would have all yeah. said. Uh, if that play results in a three-yard loss, a two-yard loss, it just goes to show you sometimes it's players, not plays. Exactly, and... and uh... Yeah, if you execute, the play calling looks great. If you don't execute, it looks bad. You're, you're 100% right about that one. Um, 
that wasn't the only great offensive play of the game. Obviously, the Titans were on fire in the first half. They they really like. I think I don't want to say they went more conservative in the second half, but they weren't as aggressive attacking. They didn't need to be. But I do love the opening second half drive. So the Titans, right before halftime, they go down get get the touchdown with like nine seconds left on the clock. Bengals take a knee to put put them up by twenty one points, and then you come out in the second half with the ball. If they had gone three and out there or even like five or six and out and punted from near midfield or whatever and the Bengals get a chance down three touchdowns to go make it a game, like who knows how this thing turns out. But because the Titans were able to salt off over 10 minutes of time and they were helped by a, a couple penalties there by Cincinnati, but I think they were a legitimate penalty. They weren't bad calls that, that helped them out. There was like the the weird um, unnecessary roughness penalty that the announcers were having a hard time figuring out who committed it or where it happened, but that was the only really questionable call there. And it was just a great mix again of run and pass. They converted multiple third downs. Deandre Hopkins, Tannehill had one incredible play where he read the blitz coming and threw it almost immediately to Hopkins right across the the third down marker or right across the sticks to pick up the first down. It was just really well played by Tannehill. Tannehill in this game was like running out of sacks. Like he looked like vintage Ryan Tannehill. We had vintage Derrick Henry. We had vintage Ryan Tannehill. I was talking about this on the podcast last week. Ryan Tannehill doesn't have the mobility, doesn't have the escapability at this point in his career to get away from those kinds of sacks. And he literally just like walked through one with the defender draped all over him and picked up like six yards on a scramble. So uh, he played a much better game. But anyway, sorry, the 10 the minute drive there. They only get three points out of it. It actually ended because of a sack that led to a field goal. But the fact that they're able to get uh, to take that much time off the clock by the time the Bengals touch the ball again, under five minutes to go in the third quarter, now down by 24 points, it just felt like it was over at that point. Okay, this is creepy because I feel like you're in my brain today because you're in my <laughs> mind because I know we're usually in sync, but this is this is a little it's getting out of hand because <laughs> two things I wanted to talk about there. That first drive of the third quarter, that's a Mike Vrabel fever dream. Is it not like you're up multiple scores at the half, but you know what the, you, you know what you're up against on the other side, regardless of the success that you've had. That's still Joe Burrow. It's still Jamar Chase. I don't think T. Higgins had been ruled out yet at that point. That's the, Joe Mixon. That's still an explosive offense, right? You don't want to yeah. come out here and go three and out. What do the Titans do? I don't care that it was three points, a 10-minute drive. I mean, that's how you suck the life out of that football game. You essentially tell the Bengals, you are not coming back in this game. I don't, again, three points. I don't care. It's three instead of seven. Completely sucked the life out of that game. That's how Mike Vrabel wants to play football, right? If you've got that lead there, you want to take care of the football. You, yes, they're going to go into a you know safer play calling. That's what they've always done, in all honesty, throughout the Mike Vrabel era. That's fine. If you can execute like that, keep the ball for more than half the quarter, heck, even half the quarter, you're laughing when you're at multiple scores. I'm going to let you interject before I get to the next thing you said that I wanted to say that I'm pissed off about. Well, I was just going to say, like, even if you come away from that drive with zero points, like if you go for it on fourth down deep in their right. territory and don't get it, like the fact that you take 10 minutes off of their potential comeback, and again, they get the ball with under five minutes to go in the third quarter, needing to score three or four times at that point. Like they just, and their offense hadn't been able to do much of anything after the first drive. Like, 
you really broke their will, I feel like, with that drive. And you mentioned it, Mike Vrabel fever dream. And also the end of the game, the Titans get the ball back with four minutes and 50 seconds left. And granted, they're up 24 points. It's different than if you're up by like three points with that much time left. But they rip off, Derrick Henry rips off a nine-yard run, picks up a first down on the next play. Tajay Spears rips off a 12-yard run. They get into a third and four a few plays later, and Henry runs for 16 yards so they can set up the kneel downs. Like, talk about Mike Vrabel fever dream. Getting the ball back with about five minutes to go and actually being able to run what they call the four-minute offense there where you're trying to just grind time off the clock and not have to give the ball back even for like a meaningless the Bengals put their backup quarterback in type of drive at that point in the game they didn't even give them that opportunity I just think like Mike Vrabel is salivating watching this tape on Monday morning right and Tajay Spears Tajay Spears dropping a pitch and cutting it back, picking the ball up, cutting back to the other side of the field with Tannehill out there as a lead blocker to pick up 22 yards. I mean, how many explosive plays did the Titans have in this game? I haven't done the math and I'm, I don't think I will, but I would bet, <laughs> I would bet they had as many or more explosive plays in week four on offense, combining pass and run that they had in the first three weeks of the season combined. For sure. Cause you define explosive passing plays as 20 plus yards. They had at least three of those. And then yeah. runs, uh, like on Pro Football Focus, explosive runs are defined as 10-plus yards, right? And they certainly had another three, four, five of those minimum, right? So you're, yeah. I would imagine you're right about that. Before I forget, I'm so angry that you brought up that Tannehill pass uh, in, <laughs> that, in the third quarter where he got the ball out so quickly to DeAndre Hopkins because I was going to say that may have been in a call me naive, call me cheesy, call me whatever the hell you want. I think that was my favorite Ryan Tannehill throw of the entire day. The entire wow. day. Was that second or third down? Do you recall? It was third down. It was a it was third, third down conversion down. to Hopkins. He got that ball out of his hands. Was it a second? Was it under a second? That I think thing, it was like as soon as he got the snap, it was balls fired. <laughs> that thing came out of his hand so damn quickly. That told me right away, he identifies the blitz pre-snap, as you said, he knows where his hot is, right? He knows DeAndre Hopkins is his outlet there on the blitz, and he throws it immediately. That's not something he typically enjoys consistent success with, in all honesty, right? right? It's not. That, the reason that was my favorite throw of the day, because it just captured how much confidence he was playing with in this game. The fact that totally. and everything, the pre-snap identification, knowing where his hot is, getting the ball out on time. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins essentially just sat at the sticks a yard or two past the sticks and dove, right? Just caught it right into his chest, went to the ground, no defenders around him. Like that was just perfect, perfect execution by Ryan Tannehill and DeAndre Hopkins. My favorite throw of the day. Can we quickly talk about the least favorite throw of the day? Because I teased in the open of this show that we would cover the tiny little things that were not great from this game. What the hell was that interception? I mean, it was basically like a punt down to the five-yard line and the Titans got the ball back right away. But why are you throwing deep to Colton Dowell into double coverage with like the safety peeling back off of the, the shorter route to come back and take that ball away? Dowell had like no idea what to even do. He didn't try go try to break up the pass or do anything. He just like let the Bengals player intercept the ball. Um, at that point, the game was basically over. So it wasn't like a huge, like nobody was wringing their hands over that one. It's kind of just like, what the heck was that throw, Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> That's a perfect opportunity to bring up the fact um, that maybe he was playing with too much confidence at that point. It's the perfect <laughs> follow-up in all honesty. It really God. is to the, the previous throw that we just discussed because to me, it really it did kind of feel like a quarterback that knows he's up big, 
nothing's gone wrong for me today. Like uh, maybe just a little too much confidence on that. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe that was the case. Um, anything else you want to talk about the offense here? Because I have a lot to say about the defense I want to get to. Um, quickly, yes. And, and, and maybe it's better suited for the preview episode later this week. So I'll let you decide. But um, I, I, I don't want to let the overall performance overshadow that I, I did think Andre Dillard was not very good <laughs> again in this game. I do think it was not an ideal follow-up performance for Andre Dillard. I thought Chris Hubbard had a, a couple mishaps in pass protection as well. So I do think that's worth monitoring going forward. And things might get really interesting here with Nicholas petit Friere, who's now back from suspension, something you and I did not get a chance to cover last week with the NFL, literally just making up the rules as they go along and um, taking off two games from his gambling uh, suspension. And you'd also anticipate Peter Skaronsky, you'd like to think, is going to be back for the next game. So with a couple of reinforcements on the way uh, on the O-line, I'm very curious to see what the Titans do um, with Andre Dillard and even Chris Hubbard. And, he, and Dillard Raiders, yeah. for that fact, who has been starting in place with Peter Skaronsky. Yeah, yeah. the Titans did give up three sacks in this game. Now, one of those was a, a snap that flew over Tannehill's head that he dove on, and then he just got tapped on the back. So that counts as one of the sacks. The other two sacks, PFF credited uh, Daniel Brunskill with giving up one of them and Chris Hubbard with giving up the other one, which I don't know which one they're counting as which, but I know for a very pretty certain fact that one of these sacks was basically a coverage sack. Tannehill kind of had nowhere to go with the ball and eventually tried to step up in the pocket and just got taken down from behind. That was the one that he almost fumbled where he like tucked it at the last second and the announcers like gave him good credit for that one. I don't know if they're credit. Like they obviously credited an offensive lineman with that sack because they credited the offensive line with two. And the third one was the shotgun snap over Tannehill's head. So uh, you got to take these PFF grades with a grain of salt. They also credited the Titans pass rushers, the front seven, with only 10 pressures in this game, I think, which doesn't make sense if you think that Cincinnati's uh, offensive line was only winning at a 32% pass block win rate. How could the Titans have only had 10 pressures? And it felt like just watching the game that Joe Burrow was under pressure on almost every single time he dropped back to pass, it felt like. So, yeah, I, I, the offensive line, I agree. Like, they they played well in this game. They, run, they were great in run blocking. The tight ends helped a lot. Tannehill did a good job navigating the pressures that he did face. Um, but I, I agree going forward, there is still a little bit of an issue with this offensive line. But hey, Trey Hendrickson was not a huge factor as a pass rusher in this game. I, in fact, he was a bigger factor as a run defender. He tackled Tajay Spears in the backfield for like a three-yard loss on one play. Um, and we said going into this game that he'd be salivating after his Monday night performance and after watching uh, Miles Garrett against this offensive line last week. But Titans did a pretty good job to neutralize him. Sam Hubbard was in, was effective. B.J. Hill, I think, was in on one of those sacks. So they they, they, their offensive line still not perfect, but they played pretty well. Obviously, they played well enough for the Titans that it didn't any of their miscues in this game didn't completely derail the Titans offense like they had in previous games, especially like they had last week. I do want to point out Chris Moore on the season. Four catches, 134 yards, 33 and a half yards per catch. <laughs> <laughs> Most explosive receiver in the NFL. Um Right. <laughs> Titans they, found their own hey, Tyreek Hill. <laughs> you, you and I praised the signing, right? When they brought him here, like he's been exactly, in my opinion, as advertised. He's a pro's pro. I said it when they yeah. signed him. This guy had over 500 receiving yards last year. He's a multi, multi-year veteran. Like he's hung around the league for a reason. He's just a guy that keeps his head down, comes in, is underrated, and does his job. And they didn't miss Traylon Burks out there. That's just the god honest truth, right? And same goes yeah. for Nick Westbrook Akine, by the way. 
who led them in snaps, led them in in um, in receptions, I believe, with five, and had uh, one of the two receiving touchdowns. He's got two of their three touchdown catches this year. The only other one went to Josh Wiley on the trick play. Yeah. So hats off to Nick Westbrook-Kine. Hats off to Chris Moore. Um, we're not going to spend too much time talking about Traylon Burks. A lot of negative energy around him right now. I get it. Uh, I've been harder on him, I think, than almost everyone dating back to the offseason. You remember the discussions we had about his breakout. I think I was one of the only ones that said, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, yeah. But they didn't miss him in this one. That's a good problem to have, right? That you you do have guys like Chris Moore and Nick Westbrook that did step up uh, to the plate. Yeah, and how about Mason Kinsey, the punt returner? Yeah, I mean, very good. We we like to joke about Mason Kinsey in this Titans fan base, but he looked pretty electric as a punt returner. I mean, Titans haven't had a lot of electric punt returners in a long time, and I know Karis Jackson is out, and that's the only reason that he's even getting a chance. But he looks good. I don't know if he's giving that rollback because I like seeing him back there returning punts. All right, let's talk about the defense here because, like I mentioned, seventy-two yards on the first drive. Bengals end up getting a field goal. It felt like. The first couple drives of the game for the Bengals, it was coming a little too easy. Titans were were backed off a lot in their coverage. Like the, the cornerbacks were sitting back pretty far. And we talked about this on our pregame show that the Titans needed to be like, I, I suggested they only rush three guys and drop everyone else into coverage and force an immobile Joe Burrow to like pick apart a defense with eight defenders back there and covering the flats and covering the quick passes. Well, the first drive, they set up a couple screens. They had, they gave Joe Mixon a couple handoffs on like draw plays that looked like passes. So the linebackers were retreating and he just exploded for like eight and nine yard chunks. Um, but then they really tightened stuff up. And even on the second drive, Joe Mixon did have like a started the second drive with an eight or nine yard run, I believe. But after that, the Titans, so the Titans didn't really blitz at all on the Bengals first drive. After that first drive, they started bringing pressure from all over the, the backfield, the, the defensive backfield, linebackers, safeties, nickel corners, multiple players at the same time. They were bringing the most exotic pressures I think we've seen from this Shane Bowen defense in a long time. And I kind of want to, that's kind of what I want to do one of my videos on is just breaking down the different blitz packages the Titans use in this game. Let me know in the comments if that's what you want to see. Um, but they really got to Joe Burrow. They really affected him. Aziz Alshire had that one play where he got to Burrow as he was throwing the ball and it was initially ruled a fumble and they reviewed it and it was ruled a forward pass. And a lot of people were making jokes on Twitter that like if the call is up in the air and the titans are playing defense then it's it's just going to go against the titans no matter what happened i think that was definitely an incomplete pass and anyone who's arguing that i just i don't see the argument joe burrow was clearly throwing the ball and hit as he throws he didn't lose control of the ball in his hand the way Derek carr did uh a, f- a few weeks ago but anyway uh they did get to to burrow with a strip sack later in the game travis gibson played three snaps in this game and he had a sack, forced fumble, recovered by Kevin Byard, forced turnover. This guy's got to get more snaps. What are we doing out here? He had an amazing rip move rush around the outside of Orlando Brown Jr. and took down Joe Burrow. Titans happened to be blitzing like three other players on that play, including Aziz Alshire and Kevin Byard were all in there trying to get the fumble. I can't even believe the Titans recovered that ball, by the way. It looked like Joe Burrow had it. And at the last minute, it like squirted out right into Kevin Byard was running up and it just like appeared right in front of him and he was able to grab it. The Titans pass rush in this game, I mean, the blitz, the blitzing packages obviously got home and worked. And 
They Joe Burrow was trying to get the ball out of his hands quickly, but the Titans were making him make that decision in a split second because they kept overloading the, with the rush and bringing way more guys than the Bengals could block and having guys flying in. Burrow not feeling good about his calf, unable to even really move or, or retreat or run away from the rush, just had to like fling the ball. And most of those times it was an incomplete pass. He had one really nice completion to Tyler Boyd down the field really late in the game. But the Bengals did not convert a third down in this game until nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. So the the defense was just, I mean, the run defense, I felt like, wasn't as good as we've seen from this Titans team until later in the game. They really got, got better and started bottling it up, but it felt like they were okay trading off. And this is what we've been talking about. Trading off not being as good in run defense to be better in pass defense. And this is the first player that, I mean, this is the lowest passing yards against the Titans have had in a pretty long time. Joe Burrow finished with 165 yards. The leading receiver for the first time this year for the other team didn't have over 100 yards. Jamar Chase finished with 7 for 73, and nobody else really did anything. Tyler Boyd was next highest, 4 catches for 26 yards. T. Higgins left this game with a rib injury, 2 catches, 19 yards, and like the, then it was just a smorgasbord of random guys. Tanner Hudson, Trenton Irwin, Mitchell Wilcox, Drew Sample, Chase Brown, but overall... What a suffocating attack by this defense on Sunday. It was outstanding. It was outstanding. And I want to highlight, um, and first of all, you talked about the, the strip sack. Yeah, I, I did not think they recovered that either. Like, even when they came back, final ball, Titans got the ball. <laughs> okay. It really looked like Burrow yeah. had on it. <laughs> they never showed a good angle. Yeah, they never showed a good angle of, no. of Bayard getting on the ball. The only thing they show is at the very end of one of their replays, Joe Burrow like had it and then didn't have it. And you can see Bayard running into the frame. And I guess he ended up diving under or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah, agreed. Um, Travis Gibson, man. We've talked about Nick Westbrook-Akine. We've talked about Josh Wiley. I kind of want to continue this theme, Chris Moore, about guys that step up to the play when given an opportunity. You know, we were all excited about that waiver claim. I, I think for good reason, as we see now. But, um, you know, stuck behind a lot of good rushers, right? Didn't get on the field quickly. You know, first game was a Titan on Sunday. I didn't realize he had been inactive for every single game so far. Yeah. Uh, stuck, you know, Harold Landry, Arden Key, Dina Kowatri rushes out there at times. Rashad Weaver's the guy they like. Gibson gets his opportunity. Caleb Murphy was also active for this one, by the way, and played a little defense mm -hmm. too. So uh, Gibson gets his opportunity. Was he due? Clean win around the edge. Orlando Brown Jr., high-priced left tackle, gorgeous rip move. Beats him to the corner, strip sack on Joe Burrow, outstanding. You want to talk about making the most of your opportunities? Uh, I imagine Travis Gibson will get more snaps moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And you'd think, I mean, I was trying to figure out, like you said, why he'd been inactive the first three games. Look, they picked him up at the very end of training camp, added him to a defense that is these guys, that Shane Bowen's been the defensive coordinator. This is his third official season, but it's really like his fourth season as the D.C., and this is like a this is a fairly complex defense now that we're that we're that the Titans run because like I said they've been together for a long time most of the key players on defense sure they added like Aziz Alshire and Sean Murphy Bunting and Arden Key this offseason but most of the the leaders on this team have been in this system for a long time it's not an it's a pretty complex system we mentioned I just talked about how many different blitz packages the Titans had in this game with whether it be the Amani Hooker or Roger McCreary or Aziz Alshire or whoever's coming like so many different guys coming from so many different spots probably took Travis Gibson a few weeks to get comfortable in this defense. Yeah, and I, I don't think it was like, I would expect that his snap counts, especially given how productive he was on three pass rushing or three total snaps in this game with a, a strip sack on one of them, that he will get more opportunities going forward. But I also think it's just going to be because he's more comfortable in the defense. 
And we're still kind of waiting for Harold Landry to look like himself. He's been slow to come back. I get like we were all excited because he was ready to go to start the season, which is great. But we've talked about this with guys in the past, how it can take a little bit of time before you really feel like yourself on the field. Rashad Weaver had some has had some moments, but I don't think he's a better player than Travis Gibson. So as Harold Landry's still working back to be himself, Travis Gibson should be a guy that's taking a decent amount of, of his snaps and giving him enough rest so that his knee feels comfortable. And I, I think we're going to see a lot more Gibson as the season goes on and he gets more comfortable in the defense. I agree. And you brought up that topic. Two things I'm done with, by the way, as a Titans guy, hmm. two things I'm done with. Number one, it's believing that a guy coming off an ACL injury is going to be totally <laughs> fine. No matter because he looks, yeah. so, he's running full speed in June. and He looks so good. Like, we did, we did this with Taylor Lewan. We did it with Bud Dupree. We did it with Robert Woods. Now we've done it with Harold Landry as well, right? That's four guys, and none of them looked good coming off the ACL. Uh, and the same thing I'm done with, and, and this is a weird one, but I'm going to throw it in there anyway, because why the hell not? Um, it, actually, it's not that random now that I think of it. It's being done with buying into offseason hype for wide receivers, because we did it with Julio Jones. We did it with Robert Woods. Uh, we did it with Traylon Burks this summer. That's 0 for 3. Like, if you want to say 1 for 4, if you include DeAndre Hopkins, he has looked Pretty damn good, in my opinion, as advertised. But I am done with those two things, by the way. So coming off an ACL, if you're a receiver that hasn't done anything really for this team in the past and you've got a bunch of offseason hype, count me out. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins even, like, he's been good for what the Titans need him to be, but it's not like he's been Justin Jefferson out there. He's got 18 catches for 216 yards in four games. That's like, you know, between 50 and 60 yards a game. It's on pace for a 1,000-yard season, but it's not like blow it's not it's not like he's been vintage d hop out there with 150 yards and two touchdowns he has zero touchdowns on the year of course titans aren't throwing very many haven't thrown many touchdown passes as a team but that's the titans way um should have had one shouldn't he sorry gotta tell you should have had one on the flea flicker right that was an early miss that yeah. uh that would have really been nice to and at that point i think were they down three nothing at that point it was certainly early and for an offense that struggled to create explosive plays at that moment certainly felt like it was a huge missed opportunity yeah, it did. Uh, no, 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 no doubt about that. But overall, yeah, I think Hopkins has been, you know, more or less as advertised and just coming up with so many big conversions. It's like having a go to guy in the right. moment. But still talking about the defense here. There were times when the Titans only pressured with four and they got to Burrow. But I think the majority of the times that he was under pressure were those blitz packages and against an offensive line that has struggled this year. Is that a little bit of a concern going forward? The fact that they didn't have, I mean, Arden Key had a sack on one play that was, I think, a four-man rush, maybe a five-man rush on that one. But it was kind of one of those plays where if Joe Burrow wasn't hurt, I don't think he's able to bring him down because, like, Key bent the bent the edge around the tackle and was sort of, like, just grabbing at ankles and he, like, happened to grab Burrow's legs and bring him down. But a, a normal Joe Burrow, who's one of his superpowers. You mentioned he's not the most mobile guy. He's not a Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. And I totally agree. Josh Allen, Patrick Holmes, totally agree. He's not in that category of mobility. But one of his superpowers is just like presence in the pocket, subtle movements in the pocket, and ability to like evade pressure that way. And he wasn't able to do any of that in this game. So I do feel like that Arden Key sack probably wouldn't have happened against a healthy Joe Burrow or against most elite level NFL quarterbacks you know he's not taking down Mahomes or Josh Allen on that kind of play but other than that I mean I'm obviously anytime your defense holds another team to three points they did a lot right 
they only forced, I think they only forced one turnover. So it wasn't even like a turnover fest that kept the Bengals from being productive on offense. It was just inability to convert third down, inability to deal with the Titans, various blitz packages, and inability to attack down the field because of, I guess, Burrow's injury, offensive line limitations, T. Higgins leaving this game early. Like a lot of factors went into it. But all in all, what else can you say about the defensive performance other than this is like, if you play this well all season, you can win the Super Bowl because defense wins championships. And if you hold the other team to three points, you're going to win almost every week. Well, I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, I'm not where you are yet, right? Because uh, I do think they've got a very good defense. But again, I, I still think, you know, what we've talked about, what we talked about after the Browns game a little is I think this secondary is probably still kind of average to maybe even slightly below average. So I'm not there yet with a Super Bowl defense, especially if the offense continues to be inconsistent. But I'm not here to, to, to kind of poop on the parade because this was an outstanding all-around performance, an all-around team effort. And if you're a Titans fan, and of course you are because you're listening to this, uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't worry too much about you know how they're going to look next week or why can't they do this every week? Why can't they string together? That's the theme I want you to take away from this episode. As you and I said, yeah, humility is always a week away in the NFL. It's, yeah. it's, it's very quick, right, to, for, for you to be humbled in this league. It's why it's a week-to-week league. And I think sometimes uh, then you you got to let your emotions maybe uh, be a week-to-week. So just enjoy it because this was an all-around team performance. Walk around. with uh, See what C.J. Stroud said. We want our fans to walk around proud. Wear the gear. Um, that's what Titans fans should be doing this week. Just enjoy the hell out of this victory. A 27-3 dominant win over, uh, I know they haven't looked great, but a perceived Super Bowl contender, right? A, a, a perennial Super Bowl contender, essentially, since Joe Burrow's been there in Cincinnati outside of the rookie year. So uh, just enjoy the heck out of it. That was a complete team performance. Absolutely. And really quick before we go, I want to shout out Nick Folk here. Nick Folk has made 18 consecutive field goals. He hasn't missed yet for the Titans. He has the longest active streak in the NFL right now. Longest active made field goal streak at 18. Shout out to Wes on Broadway for tweeting that one. Um, Yeah. And how about the touchbacks? All that concern has gone away. He's kicking touchbacks every single damn time he kicks it. So there probably was something to that. I think I had dropped a rumor on on after we acquired him on this show um, now, the Patriots didn't want him to kick touchbacks, right? They wanted to get their coverage unit down there and try to stop teams short of the 25. It's probably true because Titans are kicking touchbacks right now. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. So anyway, that will do it for this episode. We will be back later this week to preview Titans-Colts, the Titans' first divisional game. You know what's funny? The Titans are 2-2 two and two, along with all three other all four AFC South teams are two and two but the Titans show up last in the standings right now because the tiebreaker is division record and the Titans are zero and zero in the division so just by nature of not having played a division game yet they are in fourth place in the division but obviously a win against Indianapolis next week would go a long way to moving them closer to to first in that division and Jacksonville you know they beat Atlanta in London on Sunday but they didn't look great doing so they almost allowed a late comeback they haven't looked great all year If you look at the bottom six offenses in terms of EPA per play, you have the Bengals in there, the Browns are in there, the the Jags are in the bottom six offenses right now in terms of EPA per play. So something is not going right with Jacksonville. I think it has to do more with the pass catchers than Trevor Lawrence, but anyway... The, the division will definitely be, you know, within the Titans' grasp, and next week against the Colts is a huge game for that. So we'll be back to preview that one. Remember, let me know in the comments, what do you want to see 
film breakdown wise because we're also going to be back this week with some film breakdown so let me know what you're most interested in dissecting with me on this youtube channel that is it though we'll be back later this week like i said three times now sorry for being repetitive <laughs> follow justin on twitter at justin m underscore nfl follow me at titans film room until then y'all stay safe out there and tighten up a Broadway sports media production.